Okay, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He said, you will receive power. Everyone say power. Power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. This is what the power leads to. You're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. And now... uh, 2,000 years later, 2.2 billion Christians in the world, we are his witnesses, and it is happening. Um, Don't get it twisted. America, though America and many Western countries are in decline when it comes to the church, the church is in a full-on revival right now around the world. Millions and millions of people are coming to Christ, and they're all spirit-filled. It's not the, I'm not throwing shade, but it's not the Presbyterians, it's not the it's not the Methodists. It's not, it is churches like ours that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not, de- denominations are dying, if not already dead. They're just kind of kicking around with their last nerve. It's churches like ours, uh, independent churches that are believing God for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to know that churches in the, literally the church is in its greatest hour. America just needs to catch up. Amen. Okay. Acts chapter 2. So Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Now it's going to happen. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, that's today, had fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven and a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Notice that the Holy Spirit filled the house before he filled the people. That's why, if you're, can I see if you're a parent? That's why it's important that what you allow in your house why it's important to play worship music in your house because the Holy Spirit will fill your house some of you aren't parents yet but Mary let me talk to married couples you're not parents yet but you keep you keep fighting why don't you fill the house with the Holy Spirit all right whatever that was for free not (laughs) then appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them notice that each person got a tongue of fire and they were all filled, all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. So in the, in the early church, everyone was filled with the Spirit and everyone spoke in tongues. So while we're fighting that in America, oh, I don't need to speak in tongues. Well, I'm not here to say you do, I'm, but I am here to say in the scripture, the New Testament church was all filled and all spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I wanna preach from this subject just for a few moments. Every person filled. I I don't want City Light Church to be a spirit-filled church because I'm spirit-filled. I want our people to be empowered by the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is not just for preachers and for professional laymen. No, the the Spirit of God is for every person, every parent, every single person, every married person, every business person. The Spirit of God is for believers and you can experience that. Father, I pray now speak through me and to your people. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. 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 Boston in five. Okay, in Acts chapter 19, I felt like I got to speak that into the atmosphere real quick. I just got to get that. Under this anointing, I thought I should just declare. I got no agreement here. Sam, the spirit of God can't fall if there isn't unity. You got to agree with the man of God, okay? Agreement? Okay, good. Get back on the... No, just kidding. Okay, okay. okay. So, so, 24 years after Acts 2. So we just read Acts 2. 24 years later, in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul goes to teach believers. 
And in Acts chapter 19, I think it's interesting because it's like, it's like Paul could pick something up in the spirit, I believe it was by discernment. And he, he's, he's teaching believers and he goes, hey, um, so did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's his question. It's as if to say, where is the Holy Spirit in this church? Like, what is going on here? Did y'all receive the Holy Spirit? Here's their answer, because their answer sounds like, honestly, most Americans. And, and maybe this was your answer before you came to our church. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Like, I, I get Jesus dying on the cross. I get that. I get God the Father, God, Almighty God. I get that. But, but the Spirit, I, don't, I didn't even know. What, what is that? Maybe, maybe you've heard the term. Maybe you haven't heard the term. Let me just remind you, we are Trinitarian. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all equal. All equal. So, so God the Holy Spirit is not junior Jesus. No. They, they, all, they all do different things within the Godhead, but, but all supremely God and worthy of worship. I just want to make sure that's very clear. So Jesus now is teaching his disciples in, Acts, in John chapter 16, and he goes, guys, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to go back to heaven. And the disciples are sad. Here's what Jesus said. You shouldn't be sad. In fact, it's best for you that I go away. John 16, 7. Because if I don't go away, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying, guys, it's better that I go. Now, that's hard to think about. But it's better that I go because Jesus was God in a body and could only be at one place at one time. So he goes, it's better that I leave because now the Spirit of God is going to fill the body of Christ, the church. So what Jesus was to the 12 disciples, the Holy Spirit is to the body of Christ, to the church. So we don't have less of God than the disciples had. Isn't this good to know? You have the Holy Spirit. This is, this is good news for the church. Now, this word spirit is a Greek word, pneuma. It literally just means to exhale. It means breath. It means a fresh breeze. It means life. It means oxygen. So what the Holy Spirit is to the church is the oxygen of the church, the breath of the church, the life of the church. You can go to dead churches. Some of you left a dead church to come to our church. I mean, to be honest with you. We're not throwing shade. We love them too. You can go to a dead church. You can go to a church that the Apostle Paul said in, in 2 Timothy 3 uh, has a form of godliness but, de but denies the power thereof. They, they, got the mo they, they do the motions but no breath. So the Holy Spirit is the oxygen of heaven, the oxygen of the church. And it's kind of ethereal because this word pneuma wasn't like a spiritual word. It was just, it was the best word they could come up with. Like, like who, is, who is the third person of the Trinity? Who is the Spirit of God? He's just like, he's just, the, he's like the breath of God. It's like when you get off of an airplane, especially when you land like in Southern California and you get off the airplane and that, just that breeze and you, ah. That's the Holy Spirit. The only way I could, I, we just were in Hawaii. I was preaching. Someone has to do it, guys. Someone has, someone has to reach the Hawaiian people, and it had to be me. So I was preaching, suffering for the Lord. 
But man, we, we got off that plane and that, that gate opens and you walk off that plane and man, that ocean air, oh, that's the whole, it's just, it's just fresh air. The Spirit of God is described as oil. He's not oil, he's like oil, like a river, like rain, like water, like dew, like wind, like a dove. Again, the Holy Spirit is not a bird, but like a dove, he descends upon his people, like clothing. We're clothed with power, like light, like wine, like, like a gift, like a seal of approval, like the glory of God, the heavy presence of God. These are all kind of ethereal, mysterious titles that God uses about himself to describe his spirit. Why is this? Because the Holy Spirit is not just to be studied or explained. The Spirit of God is to be experienced. Everything I just said, I know by experience. Like I don't just, he's not just like wine to me. I've been intoxicated by the joy of the Lord. I'm not talking about physical laughter. I'm talking about, I know the joy of the spirit of God. I've been clothed with power. There have been moments in my life where I could not do it, but the spirit of God enabled me to do it. I know the oil of heaven where I'm trying to do it in my own strength and then the power of God, the oil of God. I know what, I know what it is to experience the fire of the Holy Spirit that begins to push out the sin and push out the bondage and push out the addictions and bring in the holiness. I know this to, I know this to be true, that the Spirit of God for me is not a theory. So let me just give you a few things. Firstly, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The Spirit of God rested upon or sat upon the church in Acts 2. Think about that. Tangibly, experientially, physically. This was not by faith. They didn't by faith hear a sound. Very good. So it's not by, you know, by faith I see tongues of fire. No, you're weird. That's not what that is. <laughs> they physically experienced the power of God. See, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not just by experience alone. But what makes us distinct is that by the Spirit of God, we experience God. I don't always feel God. I don't always feel feelings. But when I have experienced God, I have experienced the power of the, like an undeniable knowing on my flesh that the Lord is in this place. Like some of you sang that song by faith. Others of you sang it because it was on the screen. You thought it was karaoke. I sang it because I can feel him. I know him. I know his voice. I know his presence. I know what God feels like. And the good news is I know what God doesn't feel like. So when religious people try to put religious things on me, I know when it's God and when it's not God. I know it by, by practice. I know by experience. Woo. Okay, when you read the book of Acts, you're going to find seven descriptions for the same experience. You're going to find that people were baptized with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, that the Spirit of God fell upon people. That, that word fall means to embrace, so not fall like kerplunk, but like fall like the way you go and embrace your kid. So the Spirit of God embraces us. The Spirit of God came upon people. The Spirit of God rested upon people. The people received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on people. Seven descriptions for the same experience. Well, if it's the same experience, why are there different descriptions? Because we would all experience it a little bit different. We would all have kind of a different description for the same thing. If we all drank a, the same exact cup of coffee in here, we would all have different. Because some of you love coffee and some of you hate coffee and some of you know coffee and some of you don't know coffee. So for me, I would drink and go, mm, coffee. 
But Brandon Yap is a connoisseur. Omar's a connoisseur. So they go, mm, I, can, I can taste the cherry. And the, oh, there's a hint of tobacco. And there's mm, chocolate. I'm like, I don't taste that. I need it, though, to survive. Amen. And, other, and others of you would be, ah, okay. Same experience, different description. Okay, so, so catch this. John chapter 20. Jesus goes into the upper room. The disciples are scared, right? They're, they're hiding because they didn't believe that he was going to rise from the dead. A lot of faith. Okay, so uh, they're hiding. Jesus walks through the wall, doesn't use the door because he's Jesus now. Like, for re- like he's like resurrected, like, let me just show you how awesome I am. Boop, just pops in. Hey. And he shows them the wounds in his hands, the wounds in his side, the wounds in his feet, and they believe. Even doubting Thomas would fall on his knees and go, my Lord and my God. Let me explain it like this. This is their salvation experience. Like this is that clearest, finally, finally, (laughs) they believe. And in that moment, Jesus does something very unique. Don't worry, I won't do it to you today. He he breathes on them. And when he breathes on them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's salvation. I believe and I receive. Okay, but now skip a couple of weeks. Acts chapter one, and I feel I feel I mean I just whoo this feels yeah, good right now. Yeah. Jesus says in Acts chapter one, "Don't leave Jerusalem till you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit." Yeah. Time out, Jesus, because this is what Americans would do. No, actually, Lord, theologically, you already breathed on us, <laughs> so I don't need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit because I'm already filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation, and that's how most of you sound. No, honestly, I start preaching like this and you go, no, 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 Jamie, when I got saved, I got the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare say you have more of the Holy Spirit than I do. I'm not saying that. I'm giving you the Bible. And when Jesus said this, the disciples didn't go, no, 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 we already have the Holy Spirit. They went, oh, okay. So then what happens? Acts chapter two, they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter four, they come under persecution. You know what they do? They start praying and the Bible says they got filled with the Spirit again. Acts chapter 10, Peter starts preaching. The Holy Spirit falls on the whole room. They get filled with the Spirit again. Are you seeing a pattern here? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is, yes, it is an initial moment, but it's also a daily walk. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. That's going to lead to debauchery. It's going to ruin your life. Instead... Notice how he compares alcohol and the move of the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot in this. Put it back up, guys, real quick. There's a lot in this. Here's what I know. Just because I ate once in my life, I'm going to need to eat again. Right? If you don't eat, you're going to die. Okay, if you've only been drunk once in your life, If you want to experience that again, you're going to have to drink again. I don't encourage it. I'm saying you would have to, right? You can't go, wow, last weekend, man, I got lit. I'm still, no, you're not. (laughs) Right? Because you don't, it's not just once. Listen, we should be filled. Now that word be filled in the Greek language, if you were to read it, it would read like this. Instead, be being filled. I like how I be being filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Be being filled with the Spirit. It's like, it's a constant infilling. 
It's a constant dependent on the, dependence on the Holy Spirit. Okay, you can put it down now. Now, let me, let me show you how this works. I was talking to a, a, uh, a great theologian, and I, I brought up Ephesians 5, and I said, why do we, why is it like this, this bee being filled? Why, why, why is this? And I, I wanted like some beautiful theology, some awesome Greek revelation, some, and he goes, Jabin, the reason we have to be filled with the Spirit over and over again is because we leak. I wanted more than that, but I thought about it and I go, that's true. Get in a fight with your spouse and you leak. (laughs) And you get a little frustrated on the road and you leak. And you have a tough day at work and you leak. And 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 then you come to church and you get filled. Well, the idea is not just that you get filled at church, but that you can live in this dependency on the Holy Spirit. This Psalm 92 called it, you anoint my head with fresh oil. There's this fresh fresh walk with God. There's a fresh fire with the Lord. There's a, there's this, there's this daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter five says to walk in the spirit. It's a, it's a daily dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So I start talking about the Holy Spirit and some of you go, Jabin, this is, this is where it gets weird for me, bro. Like I went on YouTube one night, typed in Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh. Typed in Pentecost one night. Oh, man, that was freaky. One time I turned on Christian TV, and there was this guy, and it was like, whoa, just wow. Let me just, let me say a few things. Number one, people are weird. And there are excesses in the the spirit-filled church. Let me just say this. There's excesses in every church. In every branch of the body of Christ, there are things that the church gets right and the thing the church gets wrong. So when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there are people that take it too far, just like they did in 1 Corinthians 14. They just, they went crazy. So people are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Can I get a witness, somebody? (laughs) It's not, it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the people. Now, let me say, let me go a little further, though, because I think this is important to know. When the Spirit of God does come upon you, it might be a little weird. In other words, we're not forcing weird. I know churches that are weird as an act of spirituality. Like, let's see how weird we can make it. (laughs) That's not us. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is not our vibe. But, you know, the Spirit of God will come upon me. Man, I'll cry. Other times I'll laugh. Other times I'll smile. Other times I'll write a sermon. Other times I'll worship. Other times I'll pray. Other times, I'm just, my, yeah. my point is, is that, man, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, your flesh will react. Yes. Yes. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. They got baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know what people immediately said? They're drunk. Yeah. Well, we're not trying to force a manifestation. Right. Yes. But the point is, something happened. Right. Right. I don't know if they were Maybe some people were laughing, some people were crying, some people were hugging, some people were preaching, some people, I don't know what was going on, but it was enough for people to look at, at it and go, these are crazy, they're drunk. Yeah. I know that look. Yeah. Well, they weren't drunk. So we're not, we don't force weirdness in the name of spirituality. <laughs> but Jesus will baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3.11, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is John the Baptist water baptizing people. He goes, hey, I'm water baptizing you, but get ready. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. 
I just want you to be open to this. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Okay. They spoke in tongues. Watch this, Acts 2.4. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. This is not just about tongues. Please, please look at me. This is a, the perfect picture of the Spirit-filled life. I do what I do as the Spirit of God enables me to do it. Give me an amen, everybody. I parent as the Spirit of God enables me. I lead my family as the Spirit of God enables me. I pastor as the Spirit of God. I I run my business as the Spirit of God enables me. I do do my business deals as the Spirit of God. In other words, everything that God has called me to do, I don't have to do alone. I can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you feel exhausted today, if you feel tired today, if you feel worn out today, it is probably time to ask the Holy Spirit to empower you and to help you. This is more than just speaking in tongues. This is every part of my life empowered by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get dynamic or dynamite. It literally means the miracle working power of God. We cannot have miracles and we cannot have the power of God without the Holy Spirit. Power over sin, power to be a witness for Jesus, power to live for God, power over the devil, power over principality. This, is, this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. God never wanted us to live our life alone, so he gave us this beautiful walk with the Spirit of God that we can walk with him and talk with him, be led by him, be empowered by him, where it's not just a one-time thing, but it is a daily decision to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. God wants to dwell with his people, empower his people, fight for his people, show himself strong to his people. This is what God wants for you. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. John 15, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to see this. Think think about the transformation of the Apostle Peter from from a timid, scared disciple that denied Christ to a teenage girl three times to now preaching with so much power that 3,000 people got saved in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. From denying that he even knew the Lord to now dying for the Lord. How do you how do you do that? How do you go from from always? I mean, it's when you read the the, the gospels, Peter's always doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to now when you read Acts, he becomes one of the greatest leaders in the body of Christ. How? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to obey God. The Holy Spirit gives you the power. See, it takes God to walk with God. It takes God to obey God. It takes God to trust God. It takes God. So, so, so this word, the Bible said that the letter kills. 2 Corinthians 3, but the Spirit gives life. If, if we have this book and we separate it from its author, We're just going to be cold, religious, mean. Yeah. Hello. But when the Holy Spirit empowers us, this no longer is a, is a sword that kills people, but it's actually a surgeon's scalpel that heals people. 
This, this is no longer a weapon we use against other people, but a weapon we use against the devil. But, it, but we have to be spirit-empowered. This is what God wants to do for you. Now, now think about this in Acts chapter 1. We just read verse 8, but back in verse 6, the disciples asked Jesus, because they, they now believe in him, he's risen from the dead, and they go, Jesus, are you going to now establish your kingdom? Are we going to kick Rome out? Like, is this the end? Is this the end times? Is, is, this, is this when the physical kingdom of God is established in the earth? Jesus tells them that it's not for you to know the times or the seasons or the seasons. Think about that. Jesus goes, don't obsess about the end. Yeah. Yeah. The father has it fixed on his own authority. Yeah. So let me just talk to all of you real quick. Stop obsessing about the end. We are feeling a level of discomfort in America that we've never felt before. And therefore, we immediately say this is the end times. Well, well go move to Africa. Go move to South America. Go move to most of Asia. They've been in way greater discomfort for a long time, and it hasn't. So stop trying to put the Bible into the newspaper. I'm just telling you. No, 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 seriously. Not because not I don't believe we're in the end times. But don't obsess about that. Don't get caught up in that. Is the Lord going to come back today? Is the Lord going to come back this fall? Is the Lord? I don't know. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But I'm not obsessing about it. Because the answer, Jesus' answer was not study the scripture and you're going to find the secret hidden meaning of the (laughs) Greek Hebrew lexicon, what it... You, if, you read, if you read it upside down, you find out what it really... I mean, yeah, National Treasure vibes. Like, we, we watch these end times guys, and I love them, and I, and I, I, I really believe they have sincere hearts. But there's, there, we're, we have this whole group of Christians now that are so obsessed with the end. And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times and seasons. And, and he's... He's not saying we wouldn't be able to see the signs of the times. He's saying, don't obsess about that. It's going to rob your joy and it's going to rob your fruitfulness. So like I live holy and I live for God and I'm ready for the second coming of Christ and I'm also paying into my retirement and I'm also planning on buying Goldie a house, my daughter a house, and I'm also out of debt. Does that make sense? Like, and I'm, okay, I was going to say more. I'm going to stop right there. My point is, spiritually, I'm ready. But the Bible says wisdom builds a house. So I'm also building my life. Because if our end times theology robs the next generation of blessing, then you have the wrong end times theology. And I'm just telling you, most Christians live their whole life like they're the last. And they die and they give nothing to their kids. Except for debt. No one wants to clap. You're like, if I clap, I'm going to miss the rapture. No, you're not. You're not. I believe in all that. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Do, do I think all that's going on in our world could be the setup? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. 
I, I just don't know. People, people said that about the social security number. When we got a social security number, all those years, oh, this is the end, we're going, okay. and then it happened with credit cards, and then it happened with satellite, and now it's happening with this, and so maybe, I'm not making light of any of it. Here's my point, only the Father knows. Okay, well, let's go, let's go to verse eight, since I preached this service dead as a doornail, okay. <laughs> but you'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes, stop obsessing about the end and let the Spirit of God fill you and empower you to be a witness. Reach your neighbors. Share your testimony. Build the church. Make disciples. Love people. This might be the end. It might be. But I know what, but here's my responsibility and here's your responsibility. Amen. All right. Well, that was great. It's hard to hear that kind of stuff, isn't it? Because you're like, but I got this place underground that I was going to go live. We're not going to reach people that way. And before the Lord returns, he's going to pour out his spirits. He's not coming back for a scared, yes. navel-gazing, obsessed church. He's coming back for a church filled with the spirit yes. who loves people and is winning people to Christ. Yes. Amen. Like, okay, whatever. Let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Y'all nervous? Okay. So, so, yes, I believe we're in the end times. Okay. Does that help? Does that... But, but, the, but the answer to that is not fear. The answer to that is be filled with the Holy yes. Spirit. Yes. And let's win people to Christ. Yes. That's the thing. Okay. Lastly, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And I've got five minutes to do the last 20 minutes of my sermon. <sighs> so come back tonight. I want to end with this. Uh, let me have the keys come because I really do got to wrap it up. I'm not, I'm not going to get to point three. So let me just say this. When the spirit of God was poured out throughout the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit was poured out, every time people were baptized with the spirit, every time people were filled with the spirit, one of two things always happened. Either they spoke in tongues and prophesied or they spoke in tongues every time. I'm not forcing that on anybody, but it is something that happened. There's only one scripture. It's in Acts chapter 8 where people were filled with the Holy Spirit, and we don't have documentation that they spoke in tongues. But whatever happened was so great that Simon the sorcerer, he was like a, like a witch of that day, he saw the Holy Spirit being poured out, and he offered to buy the Holy Spirit. So we don't know what was happening. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, using the rest of Acts as an example, that people were speaking in tongues, people were prophesying, miraculous gifts were happening, and Simon went, I, I would like this in my occult practice. Well, Peter said, if you, if you try to buy the Holy Spirit, you're going to go to hell. Literally, that's what he says. He's like, you're in trouble, buddy. So the Holy Spirit is a gift, and he always gives gifts. So the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion or fear or worry or the Holy Spirit is a gift giver. Yes. Yes. The gifts of the Spirit are found in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 
in Ephesians chapter four. But the gift predominantly found in the book of Acts, if you've never read the book of Acts, I encourage you to do it. The gift predominantly found is speaking in other tongues. What is speaking in other tongues? Speaking in tongues or praying in tongues is the supernatural ability to speak to God in a language only God understands. When you pray in tongues, Romans 8 says you pray the perfect will of God. Jude 1 says your faith is strengthened. And Isaiah 28 says that you are spiritually refreshed when you pray in tongues. So in case you're wondering, Jabin, where are you at on tongues? I pray in tongues. I speak in tongues. And I would like you to do the same. Now, we would only do it in order. We don't, it's not really a Sunday thing. I'm not preaching and someone just disrupts service to be the center of attention. That's not what we do here. That's, I was raised in that. And it, was anyone raised in like crazy Pentecost? Some of you, okay. Only like four of you, good, okay, good. So only we need counseling. The rest of you are okay. <laughs> but you know, pastor would be preaching and some random lady, it was always the same lady every week, start just break out in tongues, you know. And then she was her own translator, right? And so she would do it and then she would, and for I would say unto thee that the Lord is, and you're like, honey, how's that? you did that last week, bud. So that's just religious. Okay, again, again, we all got, I'm talking about a personal prayer and praise language given to me by the Holy Spirit that I use to speak to God. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That's verse one. So he, he is saying, I want you to desire this. Brother, I seek the giver, not the gift. Well, you disagree with Paul. Paul said, desire the gifts. Okay, verse two says, when I pray in tongues, I utter mysteries by the Spirit. So I don't know what I'm saying, but my spirit is praying. First Corinthians, ah, man, I've got so much. I gotta stop. I'll just end with Isaiah 28. The Bible says that with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. Now, Isaiah 28, 1 Corinthians 14 says that speaking in tongues is the fulfillment of Isaiah 28. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest which may cause the weary to rest. God says when you pray in tongues, it causes a rest to come upon you. And there's more. This is the refreshing. See, a lot of cultural Pentecostals in America get it wrong. And tongues becomes this like real loud, violent, you know, and it's like, whoa. Tongues should have a rest to it. It should have a refreshing to it. It's almost, it's almost conversational. There's an ease to it, and, it, and it brings a rest to the people of God. I'm going to go deeper in this tonight if you want more information about it, or if you just type in, honestly, probably go to YouTube and type in Jabin Chavez speaking in tongues. <laughs> That's scary to think about. <laughs> I have teachings on YouTube about this, and I'll, I'll post them in my Instagram story as well. Um, I want this for you, but, but, but let, me, let me stop. It's not about tongues. It's about the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live for God, that empowers us to hear God, 
that empowers us to use the gifts of God, that empowers us to walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. All of this happens when when the Lord Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. It It is an initial moment that then leads to a lifestyle of walking in the Spirit. So for me, that was October 1999. I was in a prayer meeting and I was walking back and forth. And before I knew it, it felt, the only way I know how to describe it is it felt like hot or warm oil hit the top of my head all the way to the soles of my feet. And before I knew it, tears were coming down my eyes and my hands were raised. And I didn't feel this by faith. I felt it like I'm looking at you right now. And my hands were raised and a language came out of me that I did not learn in school. And for the last however many years now, 23 years, I have prayed in tongues just about every day of my life. And it has become my, my, it has become my refreshing. And again, some pastors would be so afraid to talk about this because they would be afraid to scare people or lose people. Y'all, this is, this is like who I am. Like, I, I, would, I would hate to not give you this opportunity. I would, I would hate for you to love our church and not know why you love our church. You love our church because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, everybody. Amen. So tonight, tonight we're going to do exactly what I just did, but then we're going to bring the worship team up and we're going to have some ministry time. If you would like that, I would love for you to come back tonight and uh, because I'm out of time. We got two more services this morning. We got to, we got to put people in. So pray with me, pray with me, bow your head. And if you would, with your head bowed, can you just kind of lift your, your hands to the Lord, kind of like your palms up just to receive from the Lord. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I receive you as Lord of my life. And I receive the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have for me. Fill me with your power. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you, Lord, now as as people are just in a posture of receiving, I pray that you would just strengthen your people, encourage your people. And like like you promised in the book of Luke, clothe your people, I pray, with the power of the Holy Spirit. With a spirit of encouragement, a spirit of peace, a spirit of joy, a spirit of refreshing. Lord, for every person in the room who is weary, for every person in the room who is tired, let the strength of the Spirit of God come upon your people now. In Jesus' name. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Can you say amen? Amen. Let you feel that beautiful presence of the Lord here today. Awesome.